Has preaching fallen on hard times? Is it an outdated mode of communication? Do we need to think differently about the way we proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and communicate the Word of God? Some say yes. I say absolutely not. God always has and always will use the preaching of His Word to reach people with the good news and to build up the body of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And how will they hear without a preacher? Peter preached his first sermon on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Later, Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. Earlier in Romans 14, the Apostle Paul said, How will they hear without a preacher? The spread of the gospel has always depended, at least in part, on people sharing that truth with the world. Today, Ron takes us back to the day it all began. It's a sermon about a sermon, and it starts right now. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen anytime on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The First Sermon. Well, today I'm going to preach a sermon about a sermon. How's that for a, a way to start this morning? I'm going to preach a sermon about the first sermon that was ever heard in the church. And I'm talking about the one that Peter delivered 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2 and verses uh, 14 to about 41 or so. But before we get to Acts, as I was studying this week, it made me think, this, this whole topic did, about the fact that some people, not everybody, but some people say preaching has fallen on hard times, that it's kind of outdated for our day and age. And we need to update the way we communicate in the church and, and um, you know, the, the, this preaching. No, nobody wants to be preached at. Nobody wants to hear a sermon. Uh, even in a lot of churches, we, we talk about messages, but... Not a sermon because that's eh, just kind of off-putting to people. We need to update things and not, not preach at people. Maybe we need to have a panel discussion like a talk show on Sunday morning. And when I hear discussions like that or read articles about that, I cannot disagree more. And it's not because I'm trying to validate what I do, all right? Some of you might think, well, yeah, you know, the, the preacher thinks we ought to have a, preach, a, a sermon and be, be preaching. And, no, it's not because I'm validating myself or what my friends and colleagues do. It's because as I read the Scriptures, what I learn is that God always has and always will use the preaching of His Word to do two things, to reach lost people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and to build up the body of Christ. Now, there are other ways to do that, mind you, one-on-one -on -one conversations, maybe even a panel discussion, I don't know. 
But when it comes to the local church, we talk about the primacy of preaching. It, it isn't outdated. It's the thing we do. It's the thing God does. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that He has put in place as the primary, not the only, but the primary way He communicates to us is through the preaching of His Word. And we see that in, in Acts chapter 2. We see this in the first sermon that was ever preached. And we see it in verses of Scripture outside of Acts chapter 2. Let me just suggest a few to you. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. Yeah, yeah some people think that preaching is foolishness even for today. Some people think the message of the cross is foolishness. Some people think that preachers are foolish. Okay, I'll, I'll sign up for that. There's a little foolishness in me. But it was the foolishness of the message preached that God used to save those who believe. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing, say it with me, by the Word of God, all right? We need to hear the Word of God even as it is preached. Paul said to a young preacher named Timothy who was about to become the lead pastor of the church in Ephesus, he told him, Timothy, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach your advice. A friend of mine posted somewhere on social media this week, he says, listen, if you want your church to grow, stop preaching your opinion and start preaching the Word of God. Well, that goes all the way back to Paul's instruction to Timothy, right? Preach the Word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul asks these uh, rhetorical questions. How then will they call on Him in, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him in wh of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4, Paul says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that's what good preaching always is. It's not by might. It's not by power. Sure, God uses gifted communicators and all of that, but He can use an ungifted communicator because it's by His Spirit. It's, by, it's in demonstration of His Spirit and the power of God that flows through. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 2. The result of the first sermon delivered by a man named Peter can only be explained by the demonstration of the Spirit and of power because 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us. Uh, the purpose of preaching, the purpose of preaching is transformation, not information. If all we get to on a Sunday morning is a better understanding of what the Bible said, even in its context 2,000 years ago, just a better cognitive understanding of it, we've missed the purpose of preaching. A good sermon addresses at least two questions. What does the text say and mean, okay? What does it mean? And to get to what it means, you've got to know what it says. But what does it say? And the second question is, what shall we do? Every sermon is aimed to transform us. If you walked into this place just thinking you're going to get a little bit of head knowledge about the Bible, learn more about the Bible and about Jesus, but not have it change your life in some way, well, you're the fool in the room. You're the foolish person. But 
we, we, we come to the Word of God with the expectation that the Spirit of God will use it to change us and shape us and mold us more and more into the image of Christ and to transform us uh, by the power of the Word of God. And, and again, we see this, this happening in the early church. Every good sermon uh, needs at least three things. It needs to be clear and simple, easy to understand, even complicated theological ideas. But it needs to be rooted in the text of Scripture, and it needs to be gospel-centered and Jesus-centered. That's the kind of sermon I want to listen to, and that's the kind of sermon that I want to deliver. With that in mind, let's go to Acts chapter 2, where Peter delivered the first sermon. And I got to give Peter credit because when Peter delivered this message, it's not like he had 10, 15, 20 hours of, of his week to study and prepare and, and, and to provide some notes. Um, he, he didn't have any of that. I mean, he, he delivered this extemporaneously. He didn't even wake up that morning necessarily expecting the coming of the Holy Spirit, but he came that day, and suddenly Peter was thrust center stage in Jerusalem, and he preached, and he preached a really good sermon. Now, I've broken up Peter's message into eight little parts, just mental hooks to hang our thoughts on this morning. Uh, Peter probably didn't intend this kind of breakdown. Again, he, he's, he's flowing and he's going and, and, and it's, it's coming out the way it's coming out. But um, there are at least uh, eight things that Peter lands on here in Acts chapter 2. And beginning in verse 12, let's go back that far. It says, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? mean. But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Remember, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and the disciples, the apostles began to speak in other known languages, languages uh, that they had not been trained in. That's, that's the speaking of tongues, that miracle. And people were looking around, and they were saying, well, what does this mean? And last week we talked about, we went into the New Testament, and we talked about some, some implications of the coming of the Holy Spirit for you and I as believers in Jesus Christ and what all that meant. Peter goes on to answer that question in verse 14, and the first thing he says is, friends, what we're experiencing today was predicted in the Old Testament. He, he frames it in the context of Bible prophecy. Listen to this beginning in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That's nine o'clock on our calendar. Uh, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, Peter's going to take them into the Old Testament. Every good sermon needs to be Bible-based, right? What Bible did they have back then? Well, they had the Old Testament Scriptures, and they knew those Scriptures well. And Peter you know, is drawing upon this reservoir of Old Testament Bible knowledge, and he's saying, wow, what we're witnessing today was prophesied. It was predicted by the prophet Joel, and he quotes from Joel, beginning in verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a great text of Scripture? And at this point, Peter no doubt had people leaning into his message a little bit because, again, they were familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures. And now Peter was making application to what they had just experienced to the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. He frames it in the context of the last days. Did you see that in verse 17? And in the last days it shall be like this. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, so stay right here. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, a disciple's first steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, a disciple's first steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. If you had been there on the day of Pentecost and heard the first sermon ever preached in the church age, you'd have never guessed it was coming from Peter. The man who denied Jesus was now delivering spirit-filled wisdom with boldness, confidence, and a newfound certainty in his faith. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, the first sermon. You know, a lot of times uh, I, I have people ask me, Pastor, are we, are we living in the last days? Well, technically, yes, because it's a technical term that started with the birth of Jesus and goes all the way to the end of the age, to his second coming, all right? The big question for us is, are we in the final days of the last days? And that's a whole other discussion, right? Uh, nobody knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return, but, but what happened 2,000 years ago was the beginning of God's final countdown, the last days until Jesus uh, comes again at his second coming. Peter even mentions the day of the Lord in verse 20. Uh, again, a technical term that, 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 that refers generally to that time from uh, the rapture of the church through the tribulation period and specifically to uh, the day of the Lord when Jesus comes again, his second coming. Uh, at the end of the tribulation period and at the battle of Armageddon. Now, what's interesting is in, when he's quoting from, from Joel here, all that he says here and all that he quotes up through verse 18 seem to have happened on the day of Pentecost. You know, they uh, the, pour out his spirit on all flesh and visions and dreams and prophecies and, and so forth, all the signs and the wonders and the miracles that took place during the apostolic era. Uh, but he goes on to say, the prophecy says, I'll show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and vapor of smoke and so forth. Well, that didn't happen 2,000 years ago. Uh, again, an indication that this, this time frame known as the last days is much, much more than just the day of Pentecost. This was a starting point, a beginning time frame. Uh, all of the changes in the heavenly realms and then the sky above and changes in the earth and the moon and the sun and all of that uh, will happen as we get closer and closer to the end of the age and certainly uh, toward the second coming of Jesus Christ and during the tribulation period. But Peter says all, all of this was predicted. 
This is easily understood in the context and in the framework of God's, God's plan and the prophecies He's predicted. Uh, then He goes on to talk about Jesus. And the first thing He says is that Jesus was attested. Let's read on in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. He's reminding them of things that they already know about this Jesus, but he calls him attested. What does he mean? He was authenticated. He was validated through the signs, the wonders, and miracles that even Jesus performed. The ultimate authentication of his ministry and his identity was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you remember the miracles of Jesus? There are many of them recorded in the gospel records and uh, the wonders and the signs that he performed. John records eight sign miracles in the gospel of John, a sign being something that pointed to the fact that he was the Messiah. Do you remember when he started his ministry in Nazareth in the synagogue? He, he grabbed the scroll of Isaiah, opened it up, and read that passage. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to do all these things, to heal the blind, to, uh, to uh, uh, heal the lame, and so on and so forth. And he rolled up the scroll, he sat down, and he says, this day, uh, this prophecy has been fulfilled in me, okay? A little bit later, John the Baptist, remember when John was arrested and thrown in prison and about to be beheaded? And John had a moment of doubt, and he sent word through his disciples to Jesus and said, Jesus, are you really the one we've been waiting for? Are you really the Messiah? And do you remember what Jesus said to John's disciples? He says, go tell them about the miracles, the signs and the wonders and all those things that testify to the fact and authenticate my ministry that I am the one you've been looking for. And Peter just reminds these people on that day, this Jesus, this Jesus you know about, uh, he was authenticated, he was validated through all of these things. And then he was arrested. Uh, Peter fast forwards to, uh, through Jesus' life and ministry and says in verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. I take that phrase delivered up to just refer to that time in the Garden of Gethsemane when, well, he was arrested, and that started his journey uh, to the cross. But he wasn't just arrested. He, he was kind of predestined to be arrested. Uh, isn't that what he's saying there? Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Another translation says the predetermined plan of God. In other words, it was important for Peter to communicate to these folks and for them to understand that this Jesus who was arrested and crucified, it didn't happen by accident, okay? Uh, it, it, it didn't happen because he got on the wrong side of religious politics, no, he came for the purpose of going to the cross. He willingly went to the cross. In fact, the language here in the original text suggests uh, that God appointed him to this duty. Uh, the word foreknowledge suggests God's been thinking about it for a long, long time, since before the foundations of the world. This was part of the Father's plan. And Peter is trying to frame their present-day circumstances 2,000 years ago in the context not only of Bible prophecy, but of God's larger plan and program that he's been thinking about and putting in motion since before the foundations of the world. And then he gets on to the crucifixion in verse 23. 
He says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and, and foreknowledge of God, <laughs> you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And now this is where we go, ouch, if you were a, a Jew, one of the men of Israel and their families listening 2,000 years ago because Peter kind of puts the blame in their hands. Even though he just said, listen, this, this was all part of the predetermined plan of God, but you killed him. You lawless man. There was nothing more insulting to a Jew to be called a lawless person, somebody who, who, didn't, who didn't follow the law of God. And uh, it's a reminder, this interchange of the predetermined plan of God, and yet you did this and you were lawless. It's a reminder that God has a remarkable way of rolling out His plan, uh, His destiny, and then holding responsible those who carried it out for him. Remember the time he did this with Pharaoh? The Bible says he hardened Pharaoh's heart, but then he holds Pharaoh responsible for what he did with his hardened heart. And you can say, well, that's not fair. I, I kind of agree with you, but I'm not God and neither are you. That's just how he operates, okay? It's that mysterious world of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God is able to create free will beings like you and me uh, without losing a bit of his sovereignty and his control. I don't know how he does that, but, but we, we just see evidence of that in Scripture, and here's one of those places. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, the first sermon, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out our resources tab at the top of the homepage for books, teaching series, lots of great tools to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Almost everyone who goes with us to the Holy Land says it's one of the best decisions they've ever made. When you visit somethinggoodradio.org, look for Something Good Travel to learn more and register for Experience Israel 2022, plus other upcoming Something Good Travel experiences need prayer today, stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support have made it possible for Something Good Radio to reach more people than ever before with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for all you've done. And when you give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by sending you the complete audio download of the series that you're hearing now, AD Acts of the Apostles. That's AD Acts of the Apostles. Request it today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. 
Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And I love the way the people responded here. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What shall we do? What shall we do? Um, Again, my encouragement is always that we're asking that question. How does this apply to my life? How am I to live differently as a result of the message that I've heard today? That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The First Sermon. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.